Amen. As you keep standing, we are going to read the scripture of today. And I want to thank you again for coming this morning, for choosing to fellowship with us here today. There are many churches you could have gone to. There are about three churches in this campus now. But if you came to Newbury, the Lord richly bless you. Amen. I was supposed to read one verse, Genesis chapter 18, verse 10. But for the sake of context, I would like to read from verse 1. Because this is a story that is going to drive us through today's sermon. And I'd like you to meditate upon this story. And believe God that God is bringing you to a realm of fruitfulness. Amen. 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 We are called to be fruitful. Genesis chapter 18 verse 1. And I want to encourage everybody. I still believe in Bibles. I still believe in Bibles. The only reason why I think I don't have my Bible up here is because I have my notes in this iPad and it will be too much for me to juggle with everything together. But I believe in flipping the Bibles. And I say that because most of the scriptures that I'm able to remember is because when I was reading, reading I would underline them in my Bible. And then as you flip your Bible, you're able to see them over and over and over. There is ticks. But with these technologies of phones and everything coming up now, people cannot memorize the scriptures. Uh, I was listening to the radio the journalist said that people who went on vacation with cameras and those who went without cameras, it was proven by statistics, statistics that those without cameras were able to remember more things than those with cameras. Because those with cameras think, I, I took everything. So they don't pay attention to details. But those without cameras know that if I don't see it, there is no way I'm going to know it. So they pay more attention. And I say this to say that we live in a time where for you to memorize any scripture, you can just Google it. But back in the day, you have to remember where it was in the Bible, the verse, the chapter and everything. So when you're coming to church, please carry a Bible. Flip those pages. Underline it. Write notes on the side. There is a day you'll be flipping and those things will begin to speak to you. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 18, verse 1 to 14. I'm going to read to till 14. I'm reading from the New International Version. The Bible said the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me go get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. Verse 6. So Abraham hurried into, his, into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seers of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the head and selected a choice, tender and, a tender and, and gave it to the servants who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curbs and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set them before them. While they ate, he stood near the tree, under the tree. Where is your servant? I mean, where is your wife? They asked. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. I said again, I will surely return to you 
about this time next year. This is a prophecy for somebody. By this time next year, the Lord is coming back to you, not to bless you, but to hear your testimony. I say the Lord is coming back to you, not to change anything, but to see the change that has occurred. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. He said, now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah love and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Verse 14, is there anything too hard for the Lord to do? Is there anything too hard for the Lord to do? It says, I will return to you at the appointed time next year. And Sarah would have a child. Father, we give you praise. Honor your word this morning and take the glory. In the name of Jesus. You may have your seat. As you already know, I'm talking to you this morning on the theme, by this time, next year. By this time, next year. I want you to be a prophet to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, by this time next year, you will not see me at this level. If you are a true prophet, you will stand up and go to someone and tell the person, by this time next year, you will not see me at this level. You will not see me at this level. To make you senior, say, God says the Lord. By this time next year, you will not see me at this level. You will not see me at this level. You will not see me at this level. Now, with humility, tell your neighbor, please take my email address because my phone may change. Tell your neighbor, please take my email address because my phone number may change. Hallelujah. I mean what I'm saying, by this time next year, I remember when I left Bible school, I would always preach and I would tell the church, you better enjoy me as a pastor now because God is taking me somewhere else. And I said, God is taking me above this nation. I did not have anybody connected anywhere that was going to take me anywhere. And when people look at me prophesying, like, what is this guy saying? He doesn't have anybody that will connect him. But let me tell you, the Bible says, decree a thing and it shall come to pass. My key sister in Kansas always said, I want to get married to a black American. I don't know where she got the inspiration from. Today she's married to a black American. Whatever you say will come to pass. I want you to say with confidence, by this time next year, I will not be at this level. Now specify, by this time next year, I cannot work for this kind of money again. Say that with confidence. Oh, look at, look at, you are not seeing your body. Look at, I said, by this time next year, this kind of paycheck I'm getting with my offering. Say it again. <laughs> Hallelujah. By this time next year, I'm believing that God is taking us somewhere. Amen. God is taking us somewhere. Amen. Today's service is dedicated for fruit of the home. And whenever we talk about fruit of the home service, most people are so shy to confront their issues. Especially when you think about being childless in an African community, the pain comes in different dimensions. Number one, you see girls who are not married, 
are not responsible getting pregnant in disorder. And then a woman that is rightfully married, trusting God for the child, and the child is not coming. And then you see those who are not even able to take care of the child committing abortion. There is pain. And you keep asking yourself, God, what have I done that this girl can have a child when I'm unable to conceive? It comes with pain. Then there is pain from family members, especially mother-in-laws. When you get married, after a short time, Africans begin to ask you questions. Maybe if you just have a small fever, based on maybe you walked in the sun yesterday or you came up and walked tired, they begin to sustain. It's like you're pregnant. They don't believe in anything like honeymoon. We Africans believe that once you get married, the next day you should get pregnant. And if they wait for too long and they don't see signs of anything happening, pressure begins to come from the mother-in-law, pressure comes from the sisters, pressure comes from the friends. Then you also have pressure that comes from friends. If you are a married woman or a married man and you don't have a child, and you're always attending baby showers, or some of your friends are calling you to help babysit their children, it is a constant reminder of the pain of childlessness. Can you imagine what it means to have five friends and they all have five children? You guys were all married at the same time. They all have children and you don't have children. It is painful. Then you also have pain that comes with hearing other people tell their parenting story. When people share their birth experience. Or you go sometimes on Facebook, you see people doing pregnancy announcements. Now, people have expanded this pregnancy issue. Back in the day, when somebody got pregnant, you only heard that they were pregnant and then they gave birth. Then we went for the celebration and that was it. Today, we have pregnancy announcements. It's an event where people have to come and eat. Then after pregnancy announcement, we have gender reveal. People come again to eat. After general review, we have baby shower. We come again, we eat. Then from there, we have the birth itself. Then from there, we have child dedication. Then from there, we have naming ceremony. Now, if you are a person who doesn't have a child, and you have a friend, and you have to constantly attend all these events, it is painful to think about it. But this morning, we are not just praying for ourselves. If you have anybody in your family that is childless, as you stand here today, connect for them. Because the God we serve is the God who is no respecter of barriers and distance. Amen. He can touch somebody right now in Africa Amen. on your behalf. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. What is barrenness? Barrenness is a state of being unable to produce an offspring. In women, it is an is, inability to conceive. And in men, it is the inability to impregnate a woman. I gave this definition because whenever two people are married, especially in the African culture, and a child is not forthcoming, the man is never the problem. The woman always carries all the weight. Because we believe that men don't have issues. It is always the woman that has the problem. The mother-in-law will never attack the son and say, why have you not given this child this? Why have you not impregnated this girl? They always go to the woman and attack the woman. Why are you not getting pregnant? But barrenness occurs in men as well as in women. There are men who are unable to impregnate a, a, a woman. And there are women who are unable to conceive. So when a couple is looking for a child, 
Let's not focus on the woman. Let's see both people as having the problems. That is when, we, when you read the Bible, when Rebecca was barren, Isaac also prayed. The Bible says Isaac went into the presence of the Lord and seek the face of God on behalf of his wife. But today, it is women who run from prophet to prophet, prayers to prayer house, trusting God for the child while the man is just aware. Any day you want to get the answer to the prayer, then you come home. But we have to understand that barrenness includes men and it also includes women. Hallelujah. From the text that we read this morning, the Bible says in verse 1, that the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. I want to pray. If there is any person listening to my voice or any person you are connected to that is believing God for a child, may God appear to them in this season amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. You amen has partial paralysis. I say may God appear to them in this season amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now verse 2 is interesting because the Bible says the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre but when Abraham looked, he saw three men. Verse 1 said, the Lord appeared to Abraham. But when Abraham looked, he saw three men. What does that mean? God is never going to appear to you. For example, maybe in your house, you see a bright light shining to you and say, Hey, my son, I have come to bless you. God will always use somebody you know, or somebody from somewhere, to, to do something in your life. So, many of us are not conscious when we meet people that God has sent our way. A man of God was testifying how he went to preach. He was in Ghana. And he went to preach in, 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 in Accra from Kumasi. He traveled to preach in the church. And then he was going back overnight in the bus. And he was very tired. So you know when you are tired in a bus, you sleep. Sometimes you lean to the left. You sleep, you lean to the right. And there was a lady who was sitting right beside this man of God, this prophet who was going to Kumasi too to go see a prophet because she had a problem. The sister from the United States called her from Ghana and said, there is a prophet who came and ministered in a church who lives in Ghana. Please go look for him because when that prophet came to visit us, there were a lot of miracles. This woman was childless. And the sister from the United States said, go look for the prophet in Kumasi to pray for you so you can have a child. While they were in the bus, when this prophet would slip and leave, this lady would give, give him a knock on the head. Throughout the journey, the man of God said the knocks he received from the lady. And then finally the journey was over. He went to his house. You know when you travel overnight, the first thing you want to do is get into the house, take a bath, and go to the bed. Early in the morning, somebody was knocking at his door. And when he sent a, a, his, his houseboy to open the door, it was a lady that was knocking his head all night who was going to Kumasi to see him for prayers. Now, many of us think that God is going to appear to us, like I said, in a cloud. God is going to use somebody you know, somebody familiar that you know. Like my wife was saying this morning, if you don't perceive people in their divine capacity, you cannot receive anything from God through them. They say what you perceive, you receive. If you don't perceive a man of God as a man of God, there is no way he can bless you. If you don't see me as a man of God, whatever I pray will never happen in your life. So sometimes God will send people your way. Read the Bible. When the Shunammite woman saw Elisha passing every day, the Bible says she said to the husband, I perceive this is a man of God. 
Let us make a room for him upstairs. So whenever he comes to town, he can have a place to stay. And the Bible says, while they prepared a place for him, one day when Elisha was lodging in the house, he said to the servant, go call the Shunammite woman. The woman came and said, what can we do for you? Should I speak to the king about it? The woman said, no, I have connections to the king. And Elisha said, by this time next year, you would have a child. That is how she was able to conceive and have a child. If she had not seen the man of God in the capacity of God, she would have remained barren. I want to tell you this morning, don't take men of God for granted. Don't take the people that God sent your way for granted. We live in a generation where Christians are not afraid of men of God. I see people go on Facebook and they criticize spiritual fathers. They are writing all kinds of insults against people. Listen, this is my approach. Whether they are doing it or they are innocent or they are guilty, God is their boss. God will judge them. It is not in my place to go on Facebook and criticize anybody. Because sometimes you can be criticizing them when they are not guilty and the consequence will come upon you. Read your Bible. God told Moses not to marry any woman out of Egypt. Moses went and got married to a Midianite woman. And the elder sister who was Miriam thought that as the elder sister, she had the power to correct Moses. When she stepped up and started talking to Moses, God struck Miriam with leprosy. He said, who are you to judge my servant? So sometimes we can get into trouble because we're not perceiving the people that God has sent our way. Hallelujah. You need to understand that God is always going to use people. Abraham saw three men, even though the Lord appeared to him. And in verse 5, verse 3 to 5, he said, He said to them, If I have found favor in your eyes, please come into my house. You know, we always think that whenever you invite somebody to your house, you are doing them a favor. But Abraham understood that to show hospitality to a man of God or to a people of God, you are not doing them a favor, they are doing you a favor. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1, it says, do not forget to entertain strangers. For some have entertained angels without knowing. So Abraham understood that by bringing these people into his house, he was actually doing himself favor. That is why he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, come into my house and eat something. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you are looking for a miracle, learn to invite God's people in your house. There is a lady who was childless. Things are difficult. Nothing is working. And when the church announced that they are looking for a place to host prayer cell, she dedicated her house to host the prayer cell. From the day the prayer started holding in her house, everything changed. But there are some of us now, if we say we are looking for a place to host a prayer, the first thing you think about is your carpet that they are going to dirty, your toilet that they are going to use, all your toilet tissues. You don't see the blessing that is coming to your house. You only see the inconveniences. When you like to be hospitable to people, you attract God's blessings. Is somebody hearing me this morning? If you hear me, sir, I hear you. Let's be hospitable and attract God's blessings. The Bible said the men agreed. And Abraham ran to Sarah quickly and prepared a meal for strangers. Now, everything I read in the Bible always gives me inspiration because when I was growing up, I used to have aunties or relatives where anytime you go to their house, there is always nothing to eat. They always have a complaint. Where? You just came, the food we had just finished. 
the rice we had just finished. We have fufu, there is no soup. There is always a complaint. Abraham could have easily dismissed it. People saying that, well, you see, we cooked rice last night. The rice is finished or the fish is not in the soup or gave an excuse. The Bible says he ran to the wife and they quickly prepared something. Let me give you this as a spiritual principle. Anytime you perceive a man that God has sent to you, don't let them go empty-handed. The Bible says, whoever gives a cup of water to a prophet, does what? Read your Bible sometimes. Whoever gives a cup of water to a prophet receives the prophet's reward. So just a glass of water given to a man of God attracts God's blessings. So just say, well, man of God, thank you for coming. But we don't have anything in this house. No. Look for something anyhow and get that blessing. Is somebody hearing me? Look for something anyhow and get that blessing. Abraham could have clearly said, well, we don't have nothing. But they ran to Sarah. They prepared something. Presented it before the people. And they ate. And while they were eating, one of them asked Abraham, there were three men that were eating. But one of them asked Abraham. So it means that theologians believe that two of these men were angels and one was God himself. Because even when the man spoke, he did not say, by this time, he said, we will return. He said, I will return. He did not say, we are going. There were three. He did not say, we are going to come back. He said, I will come back. So God was in the midst of these two. And if you read your Bible going further, when the angels were sent after this encounter to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, there were two that went. Because God was not responsible for that mission. God only came to Abraham. The continuation of the journey was left for the two angels. Read your Bible sometimes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because when you look at me strange, like this thing is coming from the Quran. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. God was in the midst of the three people. And God spoke and said, where is your wife, Sarah? And Abraham said, she's inside. This woman that was mocked by her friends. Can you imagine when Abraham left his father's house? And God said to Abraham, I will take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. I will bless you. If you are able to count the descendants of yours, the son of the seashore, then shall you be able to count your descendants. If you are able to count the stars in the sky, then shall you be able to count your descendants. And Abraham left, giving his family all these promises. The Lord is going to make me great. I'm going to have children. Sarah was not just barren. Sarah was two times menopause. This is what we call menopause. This is not pause. It's menopause. It means that the ability to have a child was stopped. But God said, where is your wife, Sarah? That situation that men have considered impossible. I'm about to turn it around. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to announce to somebody this morning. Maybe there is a situation in your life where men think it is impossible. I want to tell you, God can turn it around. Amen. I said, God can turn it around. Amen. God can change anything. This is what we call him the unchangeable changer. What the doctors cannot change, God cannot change. That is what we call him the impossibility specialist. Because he specializes in difficult matters. Whatever the doctors say is impossible, that is when God comes in. Because if God do what the doctors can do, he can't take glory because the doctors will say, we did it. But when the doctors say, this is out of hand, nothing can be done. Then God steps in to take the glory because there 
Nobody can argue with the miracle. That is why there was a time in the Bible, there was a man born blind. And the disciples asked Jesus, say, who sinned that this man should be blind? Is it the father or the mother? And Jesus said, neither the father or the mother sinned. But this man was blind so that the glory of God may be displayed. There are some difficult situations in your life that it seems as if it would never change. But God has preserved that situation so his glory can be revealed. Amen. That difficulty you are going through, that hardship, that thing that seems to be a stumbling block, God is about to take glory. Amen. I said God is about to take glory Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. And the Lord said, by this time next year. I don't know what I'm talking to you, but I said that by this time next year, we are going to have a major celebration in this house. Amen. A major, I don't know whether it's financial or material or spiritual, but by this time next year, there will be a major celebration in the life of somebody. Amen. If you believe it, let your amen be the loudest in the building. Amen. By this time next year. The Bible says in verse 11, that Sarah and Abraham were past childbearing age. Now the Bible mentions this to understand that what the Lord was doing was not the product of a biological contact. Because any man and a woman, if they meet, they can get pregnant. It's not a miracle. Any man and a woman can meet and get pregnant. But when the doctors give you a report and say, your tubes are blocked, your uterus is destroyed, and your organs, all your reproductive organs are damaged, that is where God steps in because God knows nobody can argue this miracle. The Bible says they were past childbearing age. The Bible had to mention that because it had to be clear that this was not just Abraham who was productive. This was the hand of God upon Abraham and Sarah. I came to announce to you this morning. I don't know what the doctors have declared against you. I don't know what they have said concerning your life, concerning your family. I don't know what even you think about yourself. But God is about to do something that will shock you. Amen. I said God is about to do something that will shock you. Amen. Can you believe that a man was called and given a promotion and he's like, are you talking to me? Because he didn't believe that that promotion could be his. God is about to do something. The Bible said, I will do a new thing in your days that even if you were told, you will not believe. By this time next year, I say it again. Amen. By this time next year. Amen. Can somebody say it seven times? By this time next year. 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 That miracle is happening. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, there are people who have accepted the inability to be productive. Maybe you've tried something and now you concluded that this is above me. But the Lord is saying, let me in. Because I specialize in these kind of issues. I heard a testimony of a lady that was in the university. God-fearing lady. And during the, the exams, she was supposed to write to go to the next level in the, in the university. She was driven out of school because she had no school fees. God-fearing lady. But she went on prayer and said, oh God, I'm not going out of school because I, I want it. I don't have the money to continue, but do something. So she went home and was getting ready to come and repeat the class the next year. 
when she came back to the board to register for the next year's exam, when the results of the former year were published so that people could go to the next class, she passed all her first last semester courses with A, 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 A. She was not present in school. This is the God of by this time next year. God is going to do something that people say you did fraud. How did you do it? Listen, if you can explain favor, favor is something you cannot explain. If you can explain anything, it's not favor. If you can say, I passed because I studied, I got a job because I, I work hard, it's no longer favor. Favor is when they give you a salary that you know that by your qualification, by your intelligence, by your background, by what you know, you don't merit it. This is what we call favor. And the Lord is saying, by this time next year, I'm about to show somebody favor that even your classmates, your friends, your colleagues will suspect you. I say, please, George, please come. Tell me where you enter to have this kind of job. Because I don't understand how you can leave this place and start making this kind of money. By this time next year, God is changing the level of somebody. In the name of Jesus. God is changing the level of somebody. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27, it says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me to do? Is there anything too hard? The Bible says Sarah laughed. <laughs> you know what it means to be two times menopause? It means, do you know what it means to be trying to have a child for 75 years? Like you were married at 25. Every month you are trying. Hoping that you miss your period, but it keeps coming for 75 years. She was tired now. Like, Let me just give up. Uh, this child thing is not happening. I want the Lord to say by this time next year, she's like, ah, leave me that thing. It's not going to happen. I've been trying. We've done everything. We've seen the gynecologists. We've taken all kinds of medications. We've seen traditional doctors. We've gone for prayers. Prophets have prophesied. It's not happening. And you're telling me by this time next year. And she laughed. Maybe you are hearing my voice this morning. And everything I'm saying, you are saying amen, but you don't believe it because it seems difficult. I came to announce to you the God we serve is able. Amen. I said the God we serve is able. Amen. If Joseph could become a prime minister in Egypt, not in his country, in a foreign country, without a certification, without a diploma, without any college degree, he became a prime minister. What can you not be in this land? If Esther, who was a slave girl, with no money for Marique, no money for pedicure, manicure, became a queen, what is it you cannot be in this land? With God, all things are possible. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All things are possible. And the Lord said to Abraham, so why did Sarah laugh in doubt, saying, can I have a child? And the Lord said, is there anything too hard for me? He said, I will surely return to you by this time next year, and you would have a child. Amen. What the Lord was saying to Sarah is this. I am not coming next year to bless you. I am coming next year to see the child I gave you. In other words, when God was talking, that promised child was already made available. May I announce to somebody, the blessing you are looking for, the job you are looking for, the promotion you are looking for, whatever you need is not going to come. That thing is already here. Amen. I said it's already here. Amen. And the Lord is saying, by this time next year, we will see the manifestation. Amen. 
Hallelujah. We will see the manifestation. I'm believing God that by this time next year, we will have baby dedication, house dedication, cars dedication. Things shall be changing in our lives because the God we serve is the God who takes us from glory to glory. Hallelujah. God is not the one who promises and will not keep his promises. The Bible says he's a covenant-keeping God. His covenant will not break, nor alter the words he has spoken from his lips. When God says it, he will do it. Amen. Amen. When God says it, he will do it. Listen, I don't care what you believe or whether you don't believe. When God says it, he will do it. There are times in the Bible that your faith is not needed. There was a man in the Bible that Jesus asked, do you believe? He said, I believe, have my unbelief. And a miracle still happen. When God is determined to do something, there are times of faith is not needed. He will do it to show himself as God. This is why they call him the sovereign God, meaning that he makes certain decisions without consulting any man. He can do without your collaboration. That is why he's called a sovereign God. I'm announcing to somebody this morning, God is about to change the life of somebody even without your collaboration. Amen. Your amen is very weak. I said, God is about to change the life of somebody even without your participation. Amen. That miracle will happen before you know it. Amen. It will happen before you think about it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Real quick before we go. There are reasons why people can be barren. As we stand this morning to pray, it's good for you to understand this. Number one, which is mentioned throughout the Bible, is when people offend servants of God. Genesis chapter 20, verse 18. The Bible says, For the Lord had closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. When Abimelech offended Abraham by taking Sarah from Abraham, even though Abraham lied to him and said Sarah was the sister, God closed the womb of everybody in Abimelech's house. I know a man of God who testified saying that when he was in the Bible school, as a young man of God, he had no money. All he had was a green suit. You know, some people like what they have. And they can wear that thing every day, every day, to the point that you mark them by that dress. So one day he approached his sister to marriage and said, Sister, I've been praying, you know, the Lord has laid in my heart that me and you can form a future. Not only did she deny, she insulted the man of God. I said, of all sisters in this church, it is me with your green suit that you came to propose. What an insult. Who did I offend God? And the man of God walked away. So that man of God is very prominent in Kamiva. Call his name, you know him in Cameroon. But that sister today is not married with no child. When you offend men of God, like I said, what's the way you run your mouth against men of God? Because their boss will come against you. Amen. What number two can be old age. That is why in this country, some people are married. They are like 35, say, well, we don't want to have kids now. They are as if they have the calendar in their hands. Once you are getting old, your chances of having a child begins to slim down. What does that mean? If you have the means to have it now, have it. Because as you get old, it can become difficult. Hallelujah. Number three, God's sovereignty. God can decide in his ultimate power whether to give you a child or not to give you a child. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 5, it says, But to Hannah, 
who he will give a double portion. For he loved Anna, but the Lord had closed the womb of Anna. It was God who closed her womb. It was God who closed the womb of Rebecca. It was God who closed the womb of Rachel. God himself. So God can decide in his ultimate power whether he wants to give you a child or not. Number four, a curse. It can be the result of a curse. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 33, it said, But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. There was a man that killed women, killed children. And Samuel gave a prophecy saying, In the same way you made these people childless, everybody you have shall be childless. Now imagine what it means if your grandfather had an abortion clinic. And you're looking for the child. You don't know why your child is not. Your grandfather killed all the, all the children in your generation. It could be a curse. Something that was done in your family that is running against you. Number five, it can be the consequence of a sin. A consequence of a sin. For example, somebody went to commit abortion. I went to a local clinic that they, they didn't know how to do it. They scrubbed out the womb and everything. Now you give your life to Christ, you're trusting God for the child. The child is not coming because of the consequence of a sin you committed in the past. Number five, number six, and the last, it can be medical issues. Doctors have names for all complications. Sometimes I don't like to hear those names because they can, they can bring down your faith. When I had one time sore throat, we know sore throat, right? Where your throat is, like your center of your tongue is heavy. We have the local medication. You take what, what a sore you put in hot water, then you bubble it. Morning and evening. Two days maximum, the thing goes away. I went to the hospital, and the doctors took a torch, opened my mouth wide, and looked inside, look, 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 and said, you have tongue slices. I said, this is so true. They made it tongue slices. They will take ever what you are going through and ask slices to or anything and make it something very big. Before you know it, now you're walking like this. I have tongue slices. Listen, don't listen to what the doctors say. That is why I said, even if the doctors say your tubes are blocked, your fallopian tubes are blocked, tell the doctor we have Corinthians too, we have Galatians too, we have, we have Thessalonians too, we have many tubes in the Bible. Hallelujah. Your own is blocked. The one in the Bible is still functioning. Hallelujah. It says, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Believe God this morning. Hallelujah. What am I saying this morning? Whether the condition is natural, whether it is a consequence of sin, whether it is a curse, whether it is old age, whatever the situation it may be, God has the power to change that situation. Amen. I said God has the power to change that situation. Amen. Can we stand on our feet this morning? Can we stand on our feet? I'm trusting God this morning. For some people that are not even here this morning, but I'm believing that by this time next year, I will hear a call from them saying that we finally had a child. Amen. We had twins. Amen. We had triplets. Amen. And not just about children. I'm believing God for some of you have been at a certain job for too long. That by this time next year, you'll not be at that place again because God would have taken you higher. Amen. Your amen is weaker than what I expected. As I'm talking to some people who are at a certain job, you know that. This is not where God has called you to be. But it seems as if you, are not, you cannot get out. But I came this morning to prophesy. By this time next year, 
God would have placed you in somewhere else better than where you could ever imagine. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you believe in this, we're just begin to give him praise. Give him thanks. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank you, my father. Thank you, rock of ages. Thank you, rock of ages. Thank you, rock of ages. 